0: Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Satellite and New Space team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive
1: search firm.
2: Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Annie Savage, and Katia Schmieding from the Nuco Satellite and New Space team. And we're delighted to be joined today by Lorinas Matuli, co founder and CEO of Astrolite. Lorinas is best known for launching Lithuania's first satellite which then struck inspiration to start a new space company, NanoAvionics. Today, NanoAvionics is one of the largest small satellite mission integrators in the world. But Lorinass didn't stop there. In 2019, he helped co-found AstroLite, an advanced laser communication system for space, where he remains the CEO. Welcome to the show, As.
0: Hi, it's a pleasure to be here.
2: Great. It's great to have you. Um, and to, to get us started, we always ask people the same thing. So how did you get into the satellite and new space industry?
0: Oh, that that's a long story, uh, but um, yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I started to... Uh, it, it all started in university, actually. Um, so I was not uh, really... Um, you know, dreaming of becoming an astronaut from my childhood. For some reason, I was more interested in, uh, you know, earthly matters. Uh, But yeah, then uh, at at the time, I was uh, deciding what to want to do in my life. I was uh, very interested in aircraft. And uh, that's uh, when I decided to apply for a bachelor's uh, studies at the uh, Aeronautical Institute here in uh, Vilnius, Lithuania and uh, you know there i met uh, one of my best friends Vitanis, with whom i later fo- uh, co-founded uh, NanoAvionics. and uh, you know we we always uh, wanted to 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 pose us, uh, ourselves a challenge what what is there that is not yet done or uh, what could we contribute to something new something something valuable and uh, at that time uh, space seemed to be quite a uh, distant and challenging uh, engineering stuff to be done especially in, in, in our country at that time when we didn't have any space program that was in about uh, yeah 12 years ago and uh, uh, we said to ourselves okay let's uh, let's uh, dive in uh, it's, it sounds interesting and uh, uh, we 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 pose ourselves a challenge let's uh, uh, design something uh, that will fly in space and and will bring value to, to our country. And even if it's a, a bolt, you know, it's it's okay in a satellite. So and somehow we ended up building this first satellite in Lithuania. So it was really let's say an engineering passion, and interest that was driving us not not money, not some uh, you know um, becoming famous or something. It's just uh, the the engineering curiosity and, and passion that and drove us uh, drove us there.
3: Brilliant. Wow. Um, And okay, then, so sticking with the theme of the past, where where did this inspiration, um, what is it that you launched into space? Um, What was the vision?
0: Yeah, so right at about 2010, uh, this new space uh, uh, paradigm started to emerge quite quickly. And it touched our country as well. So that's uh, when we learned about CubeSats, you know, and this, the One can uh, build uh, this uh, CubeSat at quite an affordable cost and easily. And uh, we wanted to start, um, uh, you know, inspiring other people uh, to work in space. And, of course, ourselves were also interested. So we started to work with a group of volunteers in Lithuania who wanted to contribute to the first satellite project. Uh, there was no governmental or private program uh, aiming at that. It was fully volunteer work. Um, and uh, uh, basically, the idea materialized when we were doing internship at NASA Ames, and we got to to learn this uh, company called Nanorex. It's now quite famous, but at that time, they were one of the first to offer uh, launching CubeSats from ISS. And that was uh, seemed quite an attractive opportunity opportunity because the prize was good. Uh, we had let's say the timing was good, and uh, when we came back to Lithuania, we we gathered a team and uh, uh, attracted some funding from public funding um, uh, universities, and we all started to work on this, and and we we were able to manage to to build and launch the cubesats in about. Uh, about two years. Wow! <laughs> that happened in two
3: thousand fourteen. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's yeah incredible. um Especially to have volunteers to help. That the whole journey there is really inspiring. Um, okay, so since then, obviously, you have moved on to AstroLight. I think that was two thousand and nineteen. Um, so, how did that come about? How did that transition occur?
0: Yeah, that's uh, another story. <laughs> so uh when i left Nanovionics, i was uh, of course very much um, had this experience of of building small satellites and and then really uh, that was that was uh, the thing that uh, got me into the industry but i started to think more what value actually you get from space and from and from the satellites and uh, looking into let's say new challenges and new uh uh, new business ideas. And that's how I was started to get interested into the satellite communications uh, domain. And uh, it also came quite interestingly from the first Lithuanian satellite mission because uh, we were so struggling to get the data from the satellite because it was um, it was having problems with the power budget and it used to turn off at some times, uh, especially when it was flying over Lithuania. Uh, so, we you know, the passes were uh, in ISS orbits, are uh, drifting quite a lot, and sometimes they happen during the night. So we had to sleep in a small room uh, in the university building to actually then wake up <laughs> at 3, uh, three you know, a.m. in the night to, to to listen if the satellite is transmitting something. And thankfully, we got some data from the amateur radios from USA and uh, managed to, to get the satellites up and running. But that's when I started to think, okay, this is seems to be the communications with satellite is still challenging, and there is a lot of things you could improve and uh, uh, the idea to start working on laser communication uh, came up when I understood that um, there is a a need to actually uh, get the communication technology. That would not be limited by legal or, or technological, uh, let's say, constraints to increase the, the throughput of communication. So, of course, radio is there to stay. That's a, a very you know fundamental technology we use for communicating, but it has these limits, uh, limited spectrum that satellites basically have depleted. Uh, it's uh starts to be not very efficient when you go far away, if you want to go to distant planets and uh laser communication can actually bring, uh, these constraints, uh, to a much further, I mean, to a level where you are almost un- unrestrained in terms of how much spectrum you want to use. Uh, it's very much, uh, energy efficient. So actually the, the industry is going to, I think, uh, adopt uh laser com as, um, in a similar way as we we started to use fiber networks uh fiber connectivity for internet and uh, that's when uh, you know i decided that uh, lithuania could contribute to that because uh, lithuania has quite a long history of laser technology it's coming from uh, old soviet times you know our scientists are quite good at this and we got a lot of companies working and i met some you know, people who were excited about this and wanted to work on this. And uh, I said, OK, let's uh, let's start this new project, this new baby. Mm,
1: <laughs>
2: amazing. Interesting. And what, what do you think the benefits of laser will be against fiber?
0: So, you know, in principle, it's, it's, it's just that, you know, the fiber is, is very convenient to use on Earth. Uh, whereas in space, you cannot use fiber. so so that's that's the key mm-hmm. difference. Other than that, it's, it's still the same infrared lasers you use to to transmit information. The big challenge for free space you know laser communications is of course, the technology is much more sophisticated uh, compared to connecting just uh, you know two nodes with a fiber on earth. So you have to point precisely. you need to ensure, um, you know, signal can survive the atmospheric turbulence, attenuation, and big big distances. So it's just more complex from engineering point of view, but still the, the output is the same. You get higher data throughput with uh without uh, constraints on spectrum.
2: Mm. And um to sort of dive a little bit more more deeply into the work that you're specifically doing with with Astrolite? What what are your plans in, in the next few years?
0: Yeah, thank you. Good question. So <clears throat> uh, as you said, we started in 2019. That was really very much the beginning for us. And we started from scratch. Um, and, you know, the first thing we started to work on is the uh, also, let's say, coming from my interest in small satellites is the laser communication terminal for smaller satellites, because uh, I think there are a lot, a lot of players doing the laser technology for big satellites that is of course, uh, probably will be the first to, to get traction. But I think uh, uh, one of the missed things or say uh, underestimated things with laser comm is actually, you can make it quite compact in relation to radio transmitters when it comes to the data proof so, so, so the ratio of data rate uh, divided by volume is much better for lasers uh, but it needs to be of course engineered and, and and flight proven so that's what we started is with our uh, compact fiber laser terminal for, for small satellites uh, let's say in a class of 50 kilos uh, around that and smaller and uh, when we started to design this thing, we actually understood that we we need to think about the systems, let's say systems perspective. And uh, it it appears that the 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 ground stations that could support these optical links from satellites are still very at a very very early stage, and there is no optical ground station network developed yet. Uh, so we said to ourselves, okay, we need to tackle these challenges. Uh, as well, because I mean, if we if we don't have a ground station, then we cannot tell that the laser terminal. So, we started to think from an end-to-end perspective, and uh, that's how we, in 2020, also initiated our optical ground station project, OGS1. So this is a a portable optical ground station. Basically, you know, it's it's um, quite a, a simple idea. You take the portable semi-amateur telescope and uh, remove everything which is not needed for communication uh, and fit it with the optical system uh, and and tracking system to actually be able to receive a laser comp signal. And that's how uh, we did our first test. Uh, uh, So we did the initial ground uh, to ground test in 2021. And then this year we performed already several tests with a German satellite successfully, and uh, for the coming couple of years we want to launch this uh, small uh, small satellite laser terminal called Atlas One, and demonstrate the full end-to-end capability to downlink downlink uh, data at uh, much higher data rates than uh, you currently uh, can do with X band or, or K band being, let's say, the the end goal being to get to a 10 gigabit per second uh, data rate.
1: Wow. Wow. I mean,
2: to to get to that stage from starting in 2019 is is definitely really impressive. It sounds like you've got some really interesting things on the horizon.
0: Yeah, but still a lot of work to do. Uh, You always, you know, it's always, you always overestimate your, you know, timeline, but uh, if you don't push too much, then you don't reach the, the full potential. So I guess I still need to do to do that. As, as um, although people laugh from Elon Musk, uh, it's really you need to push the boundaries. There is no other way you can uh, be in a winning position if you don't do that.
3: Brilliant! Brilliant. Um, and so sticking with that future Elon Musk innovation and all this pioneering work that you're doing, um, what do you feel is the key importance of these new advancements in space-based technologies? Where do you see the future for, for space?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. And uh, a, bit a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, you know there is uh, always people who are pessimistic about Investing anything in space, uh, just you know, make life better on Earth. And so I think we don't need to put in a contradiction. Contradiction: these two things. Um, uh, we can do a lot of things, let's say, in space without sacrificing, uh, you know, life on Earth. I mean, without without actually taking something away from what we can do on Earth. So it's really complementary, and. Uh, my, uh, I am quite, uh, let's say, uh, uh, in line. What, uh, what? I, I was participating in one conference in in Luxembourg, and uh, there was this message from uh, from Peter Plato, the CEO of Spire, and his message was that uh, you don't really invest in space, but you invest in the information you get from space. So I think that the information that we could get from space, meaning, you know, uh, the data uh, imaging, uh, earth imaging data, uh, the data about what is happening with our climate, the data about what is, uh, you know, where the life is coming from, is there a life in uh, other planets? I think all these questions deserve an answer. And uh, it's really, the information uh, that we could get uh, from spaces that brings value. So, that's that's the most important thing I, I think that we can, uh, let's say,
1: uh, kind of uh, show to people that we can bring value. Uh, of course,
0: there is this philosophical question of uh, no uh, what is our future in space and i think this is also an important question is uh, even without you know touching the topic that uh, something bad could happen to earth, uh, i would uh, agree that our our destiny as a species is to actually to uh, to go further to always explore so we don't we don't need to stop on earth we we need we need to go further i think that's that's our destiny so the space transportation is uh, probably the technology that uh, will have to pay uh, pave the way for this, uh, let's say, further exploration of, of human species to to space, colonizing other planets, exploring whether life exists on other planets. Very these fascinating questions that that need to be answered. And with that, I think uh, when the space transport transportation technology reaches a uh, it's a level where it is affordable, uh, so that we can actually do a lot of economical activity in space. So space travel, space tourism, um, asteroid mining, uh, building you know um, hotels in space, and maybe some uh, some remote. Uh, Remote colonies of humans in in other space stations in other planets. Uh, whenever that will let's say happen, the other stepping stone will be also how to communicate, uh, because we would need to be in touch. I mean, uh, the, the the information is something that connects us, and uh, I think laser communication will also play an important right uh, uh, important uh, let's say role here to to to. actually enable that so yeah that that's my thoughts sort of incredible
3: incredible that's exciting as well you've gone everything from uh climate change and addressing those issues in space all the way through to living in a hotel on the moon um (laughs) i have to ask do you feel like we'll be in space as a species in our lifetimes do you think it's something you'll see happen or is it much further in the future just just as an opinion i know that a lot of people it is a hard one to answer. <laughs> definitely,
0: uh, I, I mean, it's. Um, I definitely think that uh, we would have more presence in space. I mean, where can we go uh, within our lifetime? It's, it's of course uh, would be speculative to to try to answer. I my feeling is that um, I would. This is my 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 let's say dream to to see to see people landing on Mars. I think that would be very uh, important milestone in, in our, let's say, evolution as a species. But even, you know, such simple things as bringing a chance to ordinary people to see Earth from space is already, uh, would be very fantastic achievement because uh, I would uh, compare it with, you know, <clears throat> to the moments in our history where, you know, part of our civilization went to the other worlds. Of course, there were some bad things happening with that. But there was also a lot of good things where, you know, people were able uh, to get away from the regimes that were oppressing and new ideas emerged. Um, And I think with that, we could also see some very interesting, uh, you know, Developments of uh, you know, so societies living in space, and maybe coming up with better ways to organize society, or uh, even uh, you know understanding uh, the the this this fragile fragile uh, connection that we have between space and Earth is just these 10 kilometers, and uh, you understand that you need to take care of Earth and this transformational feeling that astronauts are always talking when they see, us. imagine like if everybody of us could feel that, I think that could change our attitude to, to the whole life uh, fundamentally. So, so I'm quite optimistic about all the space travel. It's not just for a million years. I hope that uh, even ordinary people will will get that chance uh, in our lifetime.
3: I know, I'd certainly love to. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Yeah. Um, I My think daughter as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> every one of this at
2: NUCO, uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah, absolutely fascinating thoughts. And I love the way you bring quite a philosophical and big outlook perspective to um, scientific facts and things that could potentially be achievable. I mean, look how much has been done in a short space of time already.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think it's important because we need to think where we are going, you know, why we're doing this. It's important to to have these answers, at least for yourself.
2: <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Um and to to sort of bring it on to, to the next section that, that we like to cover, another big topic and, and something that too is is very important. Um as the more it is addressed, um, the more we can do as an industry to combat it. Um, So this is our section on diversity and inclusion. Um, And I'd be interested to hear sort of how you found diversity and inclusion, particularly um, in Lithuania, in in the satellite industry, um, being a part obviously of of the early entry into it.
0: Yeah, good good question. I remember when we were building this first satellite to Lithuania and uh, actually we got uh, quite a few interests from uh, female, uh, you know, young, uh, young female students uh, to actually join our team. And uh, I remember uh, we had uh, a lady who was, uh, you know, building the solar arrays. And I was just impressed, uh, you know, how, how could you know she was so motivated and show, so so inspired about this work uh, i remember that when uh, used to talk with her, with her with the preparation for work she was uh, very uh, very nervous to do the things correctly but i think uh, it, it shows that um, really there is there is a uh, an important uh, Let's say important things to account for of different perspective of how, how how things are done from female and male, because male like to, you know, maybe do things another way than than and than female. So it it this diversity brings value because there is different attitudes and different uh, different mm-hmm. ways of how to run business, how to do engineering. So I think it it fundamentally brings value. And of course, it's uh, another thing is that uh, you know we need to show that uh, it's, it's not it's not just about single uh, you know gender which is best at doing engineering. You know, I had we had I remember we had uh, uh, in at uh when we, we started all we are all you know guys, but. Uh, when we started hiring people, we understood that we need uh, female project managers because they are so disciplined and so, uh, let's say, strict from a sense that they can really follow uh, quite accurately what is happening. And I'm uh, happy that uh, after the career at NanoVionics, uh, 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 Agne joined uh, ESA and is now following a career in space. And, and we have uh although unfortunately we still don't have a female that astronauts we are still small but actively looking uh, for them but uh yeah, from from the satellite projects in Lithuania and from uh, from Mount Avionics already know quite a lot of females who made career in space and and that's that's exciting i think so uh and especially the new space um industry i think it's uh made the space topic much more open and much more attractive, uh, and I think the ESA's uh, European Space Agency's initiative uh, to get more diversities is very, very welcome, and uh, I, I hope that uh, we can keep balance here. It's, it's important to have balance
2: absolutely absolutely um and and what do you think sort of senior leaders like yourself can do to Im- improve diversity and inclusion um across the industry
1: difficult question you
0: know usually senior people are concerned how to for the company to survive and how to prosper but of course they clever leaders think um uh, in a long term perspective, and they understand that you know if you have you know if you take into account the diversity, you can have a more sustainable development of the company instead of you know being very narrow minded and having very narrow minded attitudes so I think uh at least for the young leaders that I see and and I hope me included and 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 some of my folks that I know from other startup companies in space. Wherever I see these new leaders, they're usually quite uh, quite open, and they try to actually include a lot of uh, females in their leadership. And so I think that's that's a good uh, good attitude. Uh, so and and we have also some uh, let's say good examples from senior management positions uh, that made successful uh, careers in space uh, who are females. So I think it's, uh, I think in general situation is good. I I wouldn't say there is some sort of a a pressing problem. I think we are going into the
1: right direction. No,
2: absolutely. Um, I think that point you raised as well of of young leaders um trying to include females in leadership yeah. is um such an important to, important step to to try and make that um more of a more of a presence and more of a thing that's obviously been been lacking um in previous years but um definitely the right step and and so important to try and ensure that we're able to as much as we can and, and when we can as as possible um yeah so yeah, thank thank you for your thoughts there. Um, really appreciate really appreciate it, and really interesting insights. Um, passing on to Katia um, to ask you a little question on on your perfect weekend.
1: Uh,
3: so we we listeners uh, are quite nosy. We like to know a little bit more about the man behind the career. <laughs> um, so we always like to ask, what would be your perfect weekend?
0: Yeah, that's a nice one. You know, uh, uh, I I uh, I have a family. I have uh, two daughters. One is six years old, and uh, another one is just, is just four months. So actually, right now for me, it's just the uh, the perfect weekend is to be with my with my family, with my children, and uh, it's just uh, such a such a good way to remove the stress because you just when you are with children, uh, if you can really, you know, separate from the pressing issues of the work, you need to forget. And and the the weekend is usually the best the best time to forget to the let's say the work because during the normal, you know, work days, uh, I I'm still struggling sometimes after work to 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 completely separate. There are some things jumping around, and I need to to even sometimes uh, get some have done uh, at home but yeah I, I tried for the for the weekends i tried to be quite uh, let's say uh uh quite quite disciplined on this and uh, the, the perfect perfect weekend is is to go with my children uh, either to some uh, to some uh, remote area to travel <clears throat> or to play to visit some parks uh to visit our relatives, uh, yeah, just just to enjoy time together because that that is something we lack, uh, especially nowadays when we are so much used to to be in a hurry to do a lot of things, and this information flow we just uh, takes our time, this precious time with that we could use communicate uh, and share our, you know, share our thoughts and, and communicating with children share our stories that so, so the weekend is the perfect time for that
3: amazing it seems like you've got a really nice work life balance uh, laid out there understanding the importance of shutting off with family um, yeah. i think although
0: it's still challenging i mean i have to admit <laughs> it's it's, it's, uh, it's a tough one but uh, i'll try to I'll always try to improve on this <laughs> <laughs>
3: Brilliant. Um, OK, I'm going to hand you back over to Annie. We're going to continue to learn a little bit more about you um, delve a little bit deeper into your likes and dislikes. It's the quickfire round.
2: Exactly. So, yeah, no, no clues here. You'll need to
1: think on your feet. Um, couple of questions going through it. Answer as quick as you can.
2: Great. City or countryside?
0: uh so the answer has to be uh like uh, completely one or the other yeah
2: yeah yeah so it's a sort of quick fire round so we'll go through Mm -hmm. um a couple of questions plane or train yeah Yeah, yeah. no thinking think on your feet pick pick either one
0: yeah so countryside
2: (laughs) perfect (laughs) um plane or train plane great yeah 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 if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be?
1: Oh, uh, I
0: would like to stay in Lithuania. I like it.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: No place like home. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk or Jeff
1: Bezos? Elon Musk, definitely. Book or film? Uh, sorry, what was the first word? book or film
0: film i have to admit they are film
1: (laughs) yeah fair enough early bird or night owl night owl favorite music genre rock nice and apple or orange aqua coffee or tea Uh,
2: coffee okay yeah me too and this is an interesting one what song would you sing at karaoke night
1: oh what song i would sing Uh, it's always challenging for me to to get this a quick uh
0: it it very much depends on the mood, you know. So
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid. We've had all sorts of answers here. So mm,
0: yeah, it's always changing. Like one week, I think something else, and then it's changing. But uh, uh, let let let's say something from the uh, Queen. A classic hits, uh, but uh, there's a lot of uh, lot of songs there. Yeah bohemian Rhapsody, for example
2: yeah absolutely a great choice <laughs> um my my family would definitely say the same
1: <laughs> and um savory or sweet uh favorite sweet savory or sweet sweet Okay, and if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, I would uh, know, like an engineer, choose
0: meat because it uh, raises our chance of survival. I guess <laughs> if you just <laughs> if you can just eat this
2: <laughs> logical answer, I like it. And takeaway or fine dining.
1: Mm, fine dining. Nice. And beer or wine? Wine? Enjoy Perfect. the wine.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wine with wine with the fine dining, I think, would, would go yeah. quite nicely. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Great. No, thank you for for going through that with us. I feel like we've got some really good insights on you and some interesting choices as well, particularly like the Bohemian Rhapsody. That was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you.
2: Great. Great. And um, so just passing back to Katia to to go through our, I think is our, our final question.
3: So for the people that are more familiar with this podcast, they'll know that our last question is always the same for every single guest. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to somebody entering the industry?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I
0: I really have a lot of advice depending on the topic, but uh, if I would have to single out uh, uh, just one, and and let's say, just judging from, from my experience, um it's uh do let's say to cho- cho- choose the if if you really uh don't go here if you don't have you know passion for it if you just want to make money or uh just uh uh spaces sounds interesting to you you really need to uh to 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 love what you do so if you, if you don't get uh, traction in the beginning, it's probably the, the wrong direction you chose because I, I had the similar experience. I tried different things in life and somehow with space, I, I, I found meaning in, in what I do. Uh, so I think that's, that's the most important. And uh, of course, there are secondary things that should be taken into account, like um, keeping a global vision because space is really a global industry um yeah using the um identifying talents that's uh that's very important i think because still space is very high-tech business and you really need best people to do that so i think uh having a having a good team if you if you especially if you want to start the the businesses is very important
3: fantastic great advice um could agree more it's not just about the money it's about the passion and, and the much bigger picture
0: yeah Brilliant. because it's it's really difficult i mean what what my experience is that it takes so much even though we have this new space which uh, kind of uh, brought this new approach of doing things quicker is still space technology development is it takes a lot of time and you you need to work years and years to develop something and if you don't have that passion and that that stamina to 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 continue, uh, it's it's really difficult uh, without that.
1: Yeah,
2: wow, Laurie. I think if if we were all like you, we'd already be in space.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we um, need to work hard, and uh, I yeah. hope uh, it's our future
2: absolutely um, and i think what a what a brilliant way to, to end the end the podcast thank you so much um, it's been so great to to get to know you better um hearing all about your amazing entry into the industry with lithuania's first ever satellite um hearing your thoughts on the future of space it's it's been great and a, a real pleasure to host you um so thank you very much for joining us
0: thank you i enjoyed it as well Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's n e u c o groupcom That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.